There's a step. There's a kick. It is up. It is no good. No one missed. I think we got a heck of a shot of winning. We beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. Eli Manning stays on his feet, airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. For all you non-believers, disrespect us. Talk crap about the defense, like we ain't the third best defense in the league. See you in Pittsburgh. Can't wait. Fitzpatrick. Enzo. Eric Decker holds it in. The Jets win in overtime. And the New York Giants, given last rights by many in December, are the Super Bowl champs in February. This is NFL Friday. Going long on all news, reaction, and game picks for the Giants, Jets, and across the NFL on WFUV Sports. Welcome in, everybody, to the newest edition of NFL Friday. I'm Chris Percyinen. It's a pleasure to be joined by Brendan Shorey and John O'Friel. We've got Will Talent behind the boards, and I'm really excited for this episode because... Guys, we're in the midst of playoff football. I mean, there's no there's no need to put it any other way than that. Like, there's NFL playoffs going on right now. This is one of my favorite times of the year, sports or not. <laughs> I, I just love the NFL playoffs. I think the product is so good. It's so entertaining. I have a great time watching it. But I also have a great time analyzing what goes on on the gridiron here on NFL Friday. So... As we get into our first discussions, I will momentarily, just briefly, put them on hold. Ask you guys, how you doing? What's going on? Brandon? Well, you know, four teams left. Coveted Lombardi, three weeks away. It's a great time for football. Great time in life in general. Picking up in the second semester. So, really can't complain about how I'm doing. Yeah, not only that, you know, it's been a great playoff so far. So, you know, that makes this time of year even better because, you know, you get some duds sometimes, but, you know, this play has been exciting. You know, teams have been great, and I can't wait for this weekend. Absolutely, guys. Speaking of this weekend, we've got some really good matchups coming up, and and these games, I think, are going to be some of the best games of football we've seen all year. Part of the reason for that is because the teams that are playing in these games were good enough to defeat the teams that they just had to in the previous round, in that divisional round. So before we get into previewing the upcoming matchups, let's recap that last round a little bit, last week's action, um, and we'll we'll say our goodbyes to some <laughs> some teams around the league. Uh, I, I think it's only right we start local. Um, Giants and Eagles played a football game, and it was a one-sided one. <laughs> I think the Eagles really I don't mean to exaggerate, but it feels like they didn't break a sweat in that victory. It was very easy for them. Their scheme is great, but they have all pro talent like across the board. They're a fantastic roster, um, and, and they just outmatched the Giants in, in a lot of facets. Uh, we'll talk about Philly and how they stack up against their upcoming opponent in a little bit, but what were your guys' takes on this game between Philly and the Giants and, and kind of as a, a soapbox for that as well? Like, where where do the Giants go from here? What, what do you guys think they should be looking to do this offseason? Brendan, start with you. Well, obviously it wasn't very pretty for Giants and Giants fans watching that game. 
bit of a blowout as the Eagles beat them 38 to seven. But I mean, it's a good year for the Giants. They were they over uh, they overachieved by a lot. They brought in a new head coach. They weren't even expected to make the playoffs, and here they are in the divisional round. They won the first round game against the Vikings, so they overachieved by a lot. They brought in Dable, who set um, I mean he changed that whole atmosphere for that team. So it's a bright future for the Giants. And while they may have uh, been blown out this postseason, they will be back. And so I think, I mean, they just got to add depth. They got to add receivers, good receivers. Because you saw what Daniel Jones was able to do with uh, nobody except for Saquon out there. So just imagining with this scheme and the passion that this team plays with, if they get a good receiver, then they're going to be a good team uh, to compete against. Yeah, so of course you touched upon it, like, absolutely overachieved this season you know like you're in the midst of the first season of your rebuild and you go you know you win a playoff game you know you not only just a playoff game you go into one of the most hostile environments in the NFL you know Vikings skull all that um and beat what is you know an experienced quarterback you know best wide receiver in probably the NFL and Justin Jefferson but then you follow that up with probably the worst playoff performance I'd say um you know at least of the weekend and you know, we saw a good game out of Daniel Jones, but I begged the question of, like, can he actually win you a Super Bowl? Because, of course, you know, like, the wins were there. You know, he was efficient. You know, he didn't have the turnover issues. But not just another wide receiver coming in. You need to see him take not just one, probably two more steps, you know, because in this league it's becoming quarterback, 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 quarterback. You need one of those top five quarterbacks. You know, you look at, you know, Josh Allen, you know, he hasn't even made it to – uh, or he's made it to one uh, AFC Championship game, but like, you know, that's with a great supporting cast and everything. Like, you need a quarterback of that talent to bring you a championship now, um, unless you have a completely stacked roster with the 49ers. You know, we'll get to that later. Um, but I don't know if Daniel Jones, even with a great supporting cast, can, you know, go and win, you know, three playoff games in a row. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I got what you're saying, John. Um, I do think that you can look at teams like the Eagles and Niners and you can say, okay, maybe Daniel Jones falls somewhere between the worlds of Hertz and Purdy to you guys. Maybe he's an equal to Hertz. Um, people exist that think he's better. Uh, <laughs> they're out there. <laughs> but to most people, Daniel Jones would fall somewhere between those two guys and, and a little definitely closer to the side of Hertz. Um, I think it's possible if you dominate in the trenches, you have depth at your defensive backs, and you have offensive talent just across the board, obviously, especially on the line, but you have a playmaking receiver. You have receivers that block. You don't need a top, top running back. You just need a or two good running backs. Um, Good meaning... Ramondre Stevenson is really good. I could see him being the best running back on a team that wins the Super Bowl, and I don't think he's some superstar player that will get paid $15 million plus a year, right? Like There are ways to win Super Bowls that don't require top running backs. I think you need a good quarterback, and I think there are only – I always say this here on NFL Friday. I think the quarterback position is a lot like um, being an ace pitcher in MLB. Yes, there's technically one starter on every team – but only about 10 guys can really do the job, right? Only about 10 pitchers are actual aces. NFL, only about 12 quarterbacks can actually say, like, they are consistently, week in, week out, good, right? It's really hard. 
And so I I do think that Daniel Jones, if even if he's not the long term solution at the quarterback position, like you were raising the question of, which I think is a fair question to raise, I do think that the debate last season was well, he's been given such a, a poor deck of hands of deck of cards every year to to draw hands from. You know, like whatever hand he gets is going to be bad because the whole deck of cards stinks. Um, let's give him a good deck of cards and try to get him some good hands from it and see how he does. And even without a great deck, he didn't have stud receivers, right? He didn't have he had Daniel Bellinger. He didn't have a stud tight end. He had Evan Neal going through some growing pains on the line. He had the best left tackle in football on the other end of the line, but it's still not perfect as, as some other players out there have or close to perfect, right? I think Daniel Jones's improvement in that season also begs the question of if he got that much better just because we finally got a good coach in the building, how much better can he get if we get him guys to throw the ball to that aren't wide receiver one, a kick returner, wide receiver two, someone who's been in trade talks all year because his future with the team is uncertain, wide receiver three, someone who got cut by the Bills and was expected to be back on the practice squad until the Giants picked him up for the 53. So I, I think that question is also worth asking. Is Daniel Jones worth keeping around as a bridge quarterback? You yeah, know, what would be your what would be your ideal like contract for Daniel Jones this year? Like All right, so I think uh, something that could benefit both parties, Daniel Jones, obviously good friends with Saquon Barkley. Um if the Giants look to bring both back, I do I I would venture to guess that Jones wouldn't mind passing on a higher AAV offer from another team if it was only by a couple million I would think the Giants could get something done like 375 80 where that's what you have to pay for quarterbacks nowadays the top guys are getting 50 a year so Jones at 25 a year or 28 whatever it is with an opt-out in that third year so say the Giants go through next year with Jones and then after next season they draft a young quarterback they keep Jones for one more year as they bring the young quarterback up to speed, and then they opt out of his contract, and, and they're done. You know, it, it, he can serve a purpose, and he can be good um, without being locked in to being the long-term solution. So I do think the Giants are in a situation now, especially with a lot of cap freeing up, where they can afford to pay him now with the benefit of him being gone soon because hopefully they've upgraded at the position. Now, uh, we'll see what the Giants do this offseason. I, I want to stay in this conference in the NFC talk about the other matchup that went down and, and say goodbye to a different NFC East squad in the Dallas Cowboys. And, and Brendan, we'll start with you here again, just because of the hat you've got on. It's got a blue star on it for our listeners at home that don't have visuals, but listen, the San Francisco 49ers are a juggernaut of a roster. And when you look at their first game against Seattle, I, I think Purdy only had to throw two passes to receivers that didn't have at least a yard of separation not only is the roster great the scheme is working really well especially here in the playoffs the cowboys came up short against san francisco where does dallas go from here well first off i want to give props to kyle shanahan for just running that whole offense through obviously their third quarterback of the year but i mean i think what dallas can take away from this i mean there's not much they really can do in the offseason. A lot of people say get rid of Dak, but you get rid of Dak, where do you go in that quarterback direction? Do you try to get a Lamar? I don't know if you really want a Lamar with his injury history. But then other than that, it's it's all 
trying to uh, trade up and draft a, a young QB, a superstar QB. So I say, honestly, I I would run it back with the same team, try to try to sign some free agents like uh, like a Dalton Schultz, uh, a Leighton Van Der Esch, uh, a Tony Pollard especially. But then I'd also say go out and get some wide receivers. Um, so that CD is not the only one running these routes and getting open. I mean, that's been a lot of the problem this year is that we're only we only have CD getting open, so Dak doesn't have too many options. But I think you do that, and then obviously Dak needs to work on his turnover issues in the off season, and I think we'll be good. Yeah, you know, it's it's weird how there was like a strange like regression with Dak this year. You know, like missed five games and still led the NFL in picks. It's almost like I don't I don't know if like it's just defenders aren't dropping his picks as much. He's just being more reckless. It's like it he looked bad. Like I feel like, and that was also like the most disappointing performance out of Dak I think like of his career you know he has this opportunity to go in you know it's a rookie quarterback you know you know it's a great defense and everything but it's like he only needed to put up 20 points to win that game and you know you lay a dud you put up 13 points you throw two picks you almost throw a third pick a third pick which would have been a pick six on like the final drive you know it's just there's not a lot of confidence I feel like over there um especially I don't I don't know Jerry Jones he probably isn't very happy, you know, especially not with him, but even with the coaching staff. You know, it's like another year where uh, you come up just short like that, and the game scenario, you know, it's just they they look a little bit in shambles. It looks like, and they had a great year, you know, record wise, but you know, it's there's it doesn't feel like they're going in the right direction. Yeah. He, he, how how about this? Does it feel like they have a direction? Does it feel like they're is one um i i don't know where are they headed where are they going i do they just keep cycling in talent and keep running this back i mean you have the like over and over and over again yeah you're kind of swamped in this contract with dak where it's kind of like you just need dak to play better you well, just need ezekiel elliott to play better you just dak, need these guys to play better but i don't think it's just dak i think it's the fact that there's dak and Zeke and a Pollard extension, or Pollard's gone and you got to look somewhere else. Or, so, you know, so one like, thing about there's that, a lot going on. Zeke did offer to take a pay cut, so that's huge because otherwise he probably would have been gone. Right. He probably wouldn't be a Cowboy next year if he didn't offer that. Because we, as Cowboys fans, and I think most NFL fans would agree, Pollard is better than Zeke right now, and so we would take Pollard over Zeke in a heartbeat. And so, I mean, that we just need. There's a lot of free agents we need to bring back, and then I'd honestly say another issue is coaching right now. Um, I wouldn't go all the way as to Mike McCarthy, but Kellen Moore and his play calls, especially in that, um, especially in the playoffs. Like there are games throughout the season where it's just as if he's picking random plays. Like he's not setting anything up. Like you see Shanahan, every play has a purpose to set up another play later later in the game. Kellen Moore doesn't seem like that as much, and he runs uh, some some play designs more than others like you see you see a lot of hitches from him you see Gallup running a lot of hitches and that's that could be partially uh, a reason why Dak threw that first pick because that corner uh, he knew Gallup was going to run the hitch again so I think um, we also need to either move on from Kellen Moore or he's got to take a step up as well I mean you do that pick because he threw the ball the wrong guy I mean he was he was swarmed in coverage like it was just, that was just an awful read you, I don't think you can chop mm-hmm. that up to you know coaching it's just he threw the ball there's a a bad quarterback play yeah that's fair I mean well both of his picks in that game were complete I would say they were his fault yeah 
I mean, that one, and then the second one where he just didn't see Traverius Ward. It, I mean, he just didn't read the coverage right. Yeah, I mean, like, it was, it was trying to fit coverage. in too tight of a window, you know? It was too tight of a window. He hit Traverius Ward in the chest, popped it right up to Fred Warner, and it's a pick. Like, there was no window there. So, I mean, yes, yes, Dak needs to be better, but I think there are some play calls uh, that Kellen Moore could be doing better. Especially with how wide open the NFC is, too, right now. Like, there's not really, you know, and in the AFC, you know, we all know, like, you got the powerhouses, you got the Bengals, you got the Chiefs, you got the Bills, you know, you have these teams that are you know, so good and have their quarterback and everything. Like, in the NFC, it's still pretty wide open. You know, if Dak can, you know, play a little bit better, you know, they can get the right pieces, you know, get a little more flow on offense. Like, they're not, you know, it's not hopeless for them. You know, there's not, I mean, yeah, they have no. a great division and everything, but, you know, they're not they're not dead in the water at all. No, they're not. I mean, especially since this team is in a win-now mode and our defense, I mean, we just saw – them shut down the 49ers offense that has given Brock Purdy as a rookie, but they have Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, and we just held that team to 19 points, who, since Purdy came in, they had been averaging, I think it was close to 35 a game. So our defense our defense is great. It's just if Dak can limit the turnovers, then I think we will have a good shot in the next few years. Yeah, for sure. I, I love those takes from you guys trying to – you know, find a, a middle ground there on like what the truth is. You know, obviously after a playoff loss, there's a lot of knee jerk reactions, right? But looking at the core objectively, trying to figure out what the next best steps are is always what I think is the most productive discussion. Um, there's a team in the AFC that has one of its next steps kind of pretty clearly laid out. They acquired Calvin Ridley this season in the midst of his suspension uh, that was year long. So the Jacksonville Jaguars will have Calvin Ridley on their wide receiver core next year out of the playoffs now but trevor lawrence looks the part in the playoffs obviously that first half against los angeles was rough but the second half kind of put that all to bed right and uh he he just looks like a stud quarterback so uh, let me tell you i think jacksonville's really happy with how that pick is panning out i, I remember being on nfl friday before this season and saying that that was like the number one most improved candidate for me this year. I thought he was given talk about being dealt hands, right? I thought he was given an awful one last year. Um, it's tough to make the best out of that. It's tough for the best to look good when that's your situation. Um, he looks fantastic this year out there on the field. He looks like a star quarterback. And I'm just wondering if you guys are buying this team long-term as a real contender they're out of the playoffs now but going forward are, are you in on Jacksonville do you do you see Ridley playing a big part or do you kind of think hey Ridley hasn't played in a long time even if guys are are on the younger side if they don't play for a while they they're different when they do return to the field uh, they needed to get better in a lot of ways they have a good coach but there's more to build on or are you more you know bullish you think this Jacksonville team is one to to really watch out for John start with you all in on Jacksonville I Love don't know it. how you can't be because all right First of all, Doug Peterson, he won a Super Bowl. Like, and then was he was ran out of town. Obviously, Eagles doing fine without him, but he won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. You know that that puts a lot of, you know, that means a lot. You know, winning a Super Bowl in this league is really hard, especially with, you know, Trevor Lawrence is definitely better than Nick Foles. Um, on top of that, you know, the way he ended the year was, you know, fantastic. You know, it was like the last five games he was had like fourteen touchdowns and one pick. You know, obviously that first half was you know terrible, but. Uh, 
to be able to bounce back, you know, not really let that affect him at all, lead that comeback, fantastic. Um, my one gripe, and you know, it's you know, it's being hard on a second-year quarterback, you know, first time in the playoffs, he's on the road in Arrowhead, but I don't like how the second half of the Chiefs game started with a punt and a second punt. You know, you have the Chiefs kind of on like the run there. You know, their quarterback, they don't know how healthy he is. They had Chad Henney in. Like, there was not a lot of, you know, confidence over there on the Chiefs' sideline. And you have two opportunities to tie the game, and you don't take advantage of either of them. And then on top of that, he threw the awful pick at the end of the fourth quarter to, you know, basically seal the game. You know, those are plays that. You know, hopefully next year in the important times in the game, in games he can make those throws and, you know, you know, be a little bit better. You know, it's part of growing pains and everything. But, yeah, I kind of forgot that they got uh, Ridley as well until you texted me earlier today. I was like, oh, my God, like that's like a sneaky, like great trade midseason, you know, for the future. You know, because, you know, everyone was hating on the Christian Kirk deal at the beginning in, in the offseason. You know, a lot of NFL memes out there. And then he comes out, fantastic year. You know, that offense is going to be humming. And, you know, I'm – I think they'll definitely win the division next year, and I think I'm all in on them for the future. I mean, given how stacked the AFC is, it's hard to say. that I wouldn't say they're the top team, but they're definitely a contender up there. I mean, you see Trevor Lawrence is emerging. They had, I mean, they had the number one pick two years in a row, and now they just won a playoff game. So, I mean, you have Trevor Lawrence emerging. ETN looked great this season. You had Kirk, who many, as you said, uh, the many memes out there about him, Kirk, everyone was just – uh, wondering why would you sign Kirk for that much money and he just went out and played played very well this season Zay Jones is the number two this season played well and then you have Calvin Ridley coming in I think this team does have a bright future I think they need to to bolster up that defense a little bit and I think they can be able to compete with those top teams like the Chiefs and the Bills and the Bengals I think they will be able to compete with those teams and eventually even make it to the Super Bowl and possibly win one yeah I, I agree I'm in on Jacksonville going forward um, they have a quarterback and a head coach, and that's a really important duo. But they also have a lot of time to get everything else going. Um, I think that's just as important, that they have that flexibility, um, that they're going to be able to get better as a team. I already, you know, I thought they were underrated this season. So I, I had them winning outright against the Chargers, because I, I thought they were the better team. The um, Obviously, the odds makers had the Chargers as the favorite. Uh, they have the consensus better quarterback, but I just saw Jacksonville winning that game. Obviously, I didn't feel great about that prediction at halftime, but um, Jags made it interesting and, and won that one. Uh, and, and then the Jags you know, didn't get blown out of the water in the next game, so they're tough. They're, they're scrappy. Uh, they remind me of the Giants, but not roster wise just like where they are as a franchise it feels like it's early for them they still have Lawrence on a rookie deal for a couple more years they've got some time to make some noise before they really have to worry about the cap um I think they're in a good spot let's talk about the last matchup before we get into previewing these next two Bills and Bengals obviously crazy circumstances for Buffalo um surrounding the game it's good to see DeMar Hamlin doing well now or at least doing better um but the bills uh, it's it's still just factual that this is another time for this franchise that they've been in a situation to with this core with this coaching staff potentially make a super bowl and they haven't been able to do it they haven't been able to 
to win like that yet have that game that when they pull out and feels like they're always getting beat in those games this time it wasn't super storybooky but uh the Bengals definitely the better team um what's the remedy to, to Buffalo's kind of year in year out problems with getting all the way to the Super Bowl you know in, in my opinion um I think there's a huge debate to be had about uh, Dorsey the offensive coordinator I, I think there are really good arguments to both keeping him and moving on. I think there's a really good argument that keeping him for another year and changing things up a little bit um, in the style of personnel, you hire a guy in Dorsey who does vertical stuff like his whole career, and then you're like, hey, here's Gabe Davis. <laughs> like, have fun. You know, like, I, I think that there's a way to make an adjustment. I think the Bills can draft a receiver and uh, go sign someone else and – have some quicker guys and kind of change how they play a little bit get Josh throwing some more deep balls whatever it is I can see an argument for keeping Dorsey I also see an argument for wanting to let him go and get, and get someone who's more suited to the talent they have now um, not change the play style because that's been working for them well enough um, and to keep to, to keep what they've been going on and just try to do it better on the defensive end I I you know I hate doing this but I, I do think the Bills will be best served moving on from Frazier I'm not calling for him to be fired his contract is up I just don't think they should renew it. I think they should look in a different direction, find a new defensive coordinator. Um, Frazier has a way of doing things. He's really good at that way of doing things. That way of doing things has been really successful. But the NFL playoffs, the playoffs in any sport, are about versatility, and they're about the different looks that you can throw at teams because the game slows down. Every foot, every yard, everything matters, and Frazier doesn't adapt to what the offense has going on. Even though his way works really well, he's so confident confident in it to a fault because his mantra is, you know, we're not going to let them get big, deep gains. It's not happening. It's not happening. They will not get a deep ball. Um, we will bend, but we will not break. That's his whole thing, right? Listen, I, <laughs> there were a couple times in this playoffs where I think they would have rather given up a 25-yard completion and then had the personnel in the scheme to stop the drive there as opposed to letting the team slowly just work their way all the way to the end zone. So I, I think that Buffalo would be best served just looking in a different direction at DC. Um, but I do like their personnel. I think they're fine at running back. I think, uh, you know, they traded Moss for cook or no, sorry. They traded Moss for Hines. They drafted cook. Right. And with those two, I like that duo. I, I like that different look that it gives them. I, I think cooks a stud. Um, I like what they've got, you know, Singletary. I think they're 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 good at running back. I think they're good at quarterback, obviously. Wide receiver, you gotta make a decision. Either keep Dorsey, go get some vertical guys, move on from Dorsey and invest in your your play style now. But you gotta pick one because they're half in, half out, and, and that's where problems happen. Well, frankly, I just think that light loss to the Bengals is a bit embarrassing. Uh I mean, whenever you have Super Bowl hopes like that and you come into a divisional round game against the Bengals and then you just get absolutely blown out like that and I'm I'm not just talking about the score that game was completely one-sided the Bengals on def on the defensive side were completely stopping the Bills and the Bills uh I mean the Bills defense could not really stop the Bengals so I mean that was a completely one-sided game and from here I think that the Bills have to completely change their offense uh, I think you need to lean more on the run game and I think you need to stop making Josh Allen play hero ball 
I think you need because you saw. I mean, when you if you go back to that first game of the season against the Rams on Thursday night, the Bills played an excellent game that night. They blew out the Rams, and that was not Josh Allen playing hero ball. That was leaning on the run game. That was getting Josh Allen involved in the run game. That was him throwing some five yard, ten yard passes. It was not him doing everything just to win that game and putting the team on the back. After that game, though, Josh Allen kind of put that team on the back, and that just doesn't work in the playoffs. So I think just overall the Bills need to kind of change their offensive scheme. Yeah, you know, I completely agree with literally everything you just said. Um, Like Just to add to it a little bit, I feel like the Bills were kind of the most disappointing team in the playoffs. You know, if they play any other team besides the Skylar Thompson-led Dolphins, they'd probably lose the week earlier. And then to come out in the snow, you know, come on, Buffalo in the snow, you know, home playoff game, crowds juiced, and you go out there and, like, pretty much lay an egg, you know, to, like, a road kind of, I don't want to call the Bengals flashy, but, you know, they're pretty, you know, offense, you know, love throwing the ball, you know, love moving it up and down the field, you know, they're not really a hard-nosed, you know, grinded-out football team. You know, kind of let a flashy team come into town in the, you know, all-white Bengals jersey in the snow, like, like, you know, you got to be better than that, you know. It's, you can't really tolerate that. Um, you know, Buffalo is such a passionate town, too, you know. Like, this is going to start getting old quickly because, you know, you know that, you know, Josh Allen's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, you know, had a bit of a turnover problem this year. I think that you could tell Brian Dayball wasn't his offensive coordinator anymore. Um, and, you know, moving forward, like, that's what your future is. Your future is Josh Allen. You have to help out Josh Allen as much as you can. You can't have him – running the ball 10 times a game, taking so many hits, you know. Um, Sean McDermott was with Cam Newton in Carolina, and, you know, he looked really good early on, and then, you know, he injures his shoulder, you know, gets a little beat up, you know. I think that they have to develop, as you said, a better run game and, you know, help them out, help them out just more than that, you know. It- Absolutely. Good points, guys. Um, the Bills have a lot of talent. They just need to kind of, I think, approach the game differently. And that's on both ends of the ball. Um, I think they have stuff to figure out on offense and defense. You know, that's not – every good team has to get held to higher standards, right? So now the Bills going from a fun playoff entry story with Tyrod right away to a serious, you know, attempt at a playoff team. Didn't work at first. Now in the playoffs, year in, year out, it's time to raise the expectations. You know, they're supposed to be a Super Bowl contending team. Got to treat them like it. And if we're going to do that, then we need to – criticize them where they deserve it and that's on both ends of the ball and, and I, I agree with what you guys are saying let's talk about these two upcoming games though conference championships we've got some great matchups we will we'll stay in the AFC let's do Bengals and Chiefs um, the Bengals have probably the the court he just reminds me of Peyton man like and I say that because he's so smart at the line of scrimmage. His adjustments are so, like, keen. Bur- Burrow's just, like, he, he feels like a 10-year vet, and he's not one. Like, he's a really great quarterback. They have great offensive talent as well, from Mixon to Chase and Higgins. Uh, that's two wide receiver ones. <laughs> like, <laughs> these guys are really good, um, and their defense has really stepped it up this year. Hendrickson generates a lot of buzz around the quarterback, and it's just easy to see why they are – where they are, but the the Kansas City Chiefs, we were talking earlier about, you know, what's arguably the most important duo of anything in the NFL, which is quarterback and head coach. 
number one in the league for me, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. I think that's the number one quarterback. If you don't think Andy Reid's the best coach, that's okay. I, I think having the number one quarterback outweighs that because he's more than good enough at Reid. I mean, um, so, you know, that duo is spectacular. Is that enough, though, for the Bengals, who seem to be an all-around great team? Well, Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league when healthy. I think, I mean, he sprained his ankle last week, so he won't be completely healthy. And one big factor of his game is his mobility and moving around, getting outside the pocket and finding open receivers. And he's really going to be limited in that aspect with that, with that ankle. And so in that case, I think Joe Burrow is a better quarterback than an injured Mahomes. Given that, I think the Bengals' offense, they also have more weapons. They have Higgins. They have Chase, like you said. Um, whereas the Chiefs, they really only have Kelsey. And, I mean, I will say, Kelsey is a lot. He's a lot for teams to handle. But I think, I mean, Joe Burrow is 3-0 against the Chiefs, and I don't see him becoming 3-1. and I think they take it, move to 4-0 and against the Chiefs, and uh, go to their second straight Super Bowl. Yeah, so I think that um, if there's one coach well, that I really trust being able to build an offense and design an offense this week – for a limited Patrick Mahomes, it's Andy Reid. Like, it's a dream scenario for them. In the second half of the Jags game, you could tell he was himself very hobbled, you know, running around out there. But th- he still he was not sacked a single time in the second half. You know, they were still able to attack them. Now, the Bengals have a much better pass rush, and I think that's what the game is going to come down to, is whether or not they can protect Patrick Mahomes. Because if he's getting off his spots and he can't move as well, then they're going to have a lot of issues. It, it will look... I think akin to the Tampa Bay versus Chiefs Super Bowl where, you know, their O-line was in shambles and, you know, he was just running around, except now it's going to be he can't move and he's getting, you know, blown up every play. You know, they did the reason why Kelsey had 14 catches last game was because it was just, you know, he was staring him down the whole entire time, these quick little dart throws, get the ball out of his hands quickly um, and efficiently, you know, and I think that they'll still be able to do that. All right, but I don't think that that style of play will be able to keep up with how the Bengals move on offense with a healthy Joe Burrow, a healthy Jamar Chase, a healthy T. Higgins, a healthy Joe Mixon. You know, we can go right down the list, you know. Um, but they can only move the ball so well if they also protect Joe Burrow because they've got three injured O-linemen. All right, you got Ted Karras starting at center who was like a backup on the Patriots last year, you know. Played well, but you have some question marks there. And I think that as long as he's protected, I think that they'll be, you know, just fine. Yeah, guys, I I think the Bengals are going to come out on top this time, and the reason for that is they're they're putting a lot of pressure on teams off the edge. I, I mean, they're really their their defensive front has been great, right? And you look at how they won their last game against Buffalo, not just the score. But you look at, like Brendan was saying, how the game went, it really felt like they were the better team in a lot of facets. You know, it, it wasn't just they scored more points, right? It, they, they outplayed them in a lot of ways, flat out. So I, I think you got to weigh that in. Um, if, if Buffalo's, you know, such a good team, they were able to outmatch them to such a degree. I'm not saying, oh, they're automatically going to beat the Chiefs, but man, I think they've got a really good shot because they're really talented and. I think Zach Taylor learned a lot from his really bad start as a head coach. I actually think the Bengals are, are well coached at this point. 
which I didn't think I'd say after Taylor's first year there. I'm going to be honest. I didn't think I'd be saying that while he was their coach, that he'd be doing a good job. But I think he's doing a good job this year and a pretty good one at that. So all those factors added up. Also, guess, something to throw in there with, Cincinnati. with Zach Taylor is there was no Super Bowl hangover for this Bengals team. No. Nope. You know, a lot of teams, after they lose the Super Bowl, you crumble. Even if you win it, you know, we saw it with the Rams this year. He was able to keep them on track. They're back in the AFC Championship game. Um, and, you know, they're still hungry. Yeah, I, I think that the NFL is a super year-to-year league, um, and you typically see that Super Bowl hangover affect a season. Yeah, a team won't even make the playoffs the next year. You know, like, uh, the Bengals have been on their stuff. So, got to credit them for that. I think it's time to move on to our matchup where we can give a shout to a Fordham football product. Um, we've got the Eagles and the Niners taking each other on NFC action. And, uh, listen, Brock Purdy, I don't know how to put it. WWE. Maybe he's like playing out my career. Like, like, like this run he's having is nuts from Mr. Irrelevant to starting quarterback in the conference round. It it just feels a little, little perfect. Feels really like it's it's a good story, right? I love it. I'm a sucker for a good story. I think it's a really good story. Um, does that come to an end here, right? Like we see these two teams both dominate the line. We see them have talent across the board, but the biggest difference is probably the quarterback position. Eagles have a capable, I'd say very capable quarterback in Hurts. Niners have arguably a capable one in Purdy. He's getting the job done. Um, but how has he been getting the job done? You know, how much of it has been scheme? How much of that can the Eagles talent make up for? Uh, I think this is going to be a really good game. I do not think the Niners are going to go down without a fight, but I do think Philadelphia wins by around a field goal. I think it'll be a good one, a close one, but I've got Philly coming out on top and it's because ultimately it comes down to this for me. The Niners probably have the best linemen in football. They've got Trent out there, and and he is just A-plus at his job. Is that fair? Um, but the Eagles probably have the best line <laughs> in football On if you're counting both sides. If you're saying both sides of the field, who's got the best lineman, it's probably Philadelphia. And, and that's really important to me. I think they're going to win in the trenches. Um, we have a, you know, starting center for the Niners, um, the 187th pick in the draft for them, I believe. Nick will be starting that game. He won't be? No, no. He's not starting? No, he's not starting. Who's starting then? You know? <laughs> no, but I know it's not Nick. Really? Who's starting? Yeah. Some, th- th- we don't know who's going to be starting. I don't know. I thought he was next on the depth chart because they're down to their third. No, I they're don't think so. they're really in, like they're in trouble on the injury list. No, I'm glad you're giving him a shout out though. You got to give a shout out to former former football captain Nick Sakel, picked in the sixth round. I don't think he's starting though. I mean, maybe he is. It, I I looked at their depth chart earlier, and that is he he's been you know getting snaps at center recently. He's been an emergency backup at guard. It's I, he. He might yeah, get. Some, I know he's played in five games this year. Yeah, but he I might. He might see. They have more injuries. He might see some snaps. So that'd be sick. That'd if be. also, there's great chemistry there. You know, Brock Purdy and Nick Zakel are roommates. Hey. So hey, under center, it's gonna be gonna be some chemistry there. Listen, it would be great to see. But regardless, Jordan Davis 
tough matchup for him <laughs> from Philadelphia. So I think Philly would be fine lining him up there. Um, I, I just think it's going to come down to the small differences. And to me, the big, you know, like the differences between the teams are at quarterback and they are in the trenches. Um, and those things matter a lot. So I, I think Philly comes out on top. It's just all the signals to me point to them. What do you guys think? So I, you know, obviously, you know, you got a friend on the team. Hard to put that bias aside. And I'm not going to. All right, I'm picking the 49ers, picking Brock Purdy and Nick Zakel. Um But, yeah, I just, you know, I love their, their, you know, way that they've gone about the season with, you know, their third-string quarterback. They kind of feel like even though they have, like, I think the best roster in the NFL outside of quarterback, um, a little bit of a team of destiny, you know? Like, they're kind of getting the doubters, you know, how long can Brock Purdy keep this up? How long can Brock Purdy keep this up? But look at that. He's got probably the best supporting cast in football. And, you know, you talk about Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey, you know? They're kind of like two players on the same spectrum, you know? Like, Debo Samuel, great wide receiver that can run the ball, all right? And they got Christian McCaffrey, a great running back that can catch the ball. You know, they're not afraid to throw all these guys in so many different positions. You know, you got George Kittle, who's going to be able to be a great blocker. He's going to make terrific catches down the middle. Um, yep. And, you know, frankly, I think their defense will be able to, you know, limit the Eagles enough. And something that we haven't talked about yet is how healthy really is Jalen Hurts' shoulder. Now, I, stats do not tell the whole story. Stats lie. All right. You know, him 16 to 24, efficient, you know, but like 144 yards. Like, they didn't really ask him to do a whole lot last week. Um, you know, against this front, if they can't run the ball at will, um, it would be interesting to see how comfortable he actually is, you know, fitting the ball in the tight windows, throwing it over the middle. Um, you know, but, you know, with guys on that defense, you know, they're going to be hungry. They're going to be coming after him. They're going to be targeting him. I'm excited about this game. I think it'll be the most physical game of the year. I think I'm hoping it gets chippy. I'm hoping, you know, and I hope that the, you know, hope the refs let them play too. You know, I don't want these ticky-tacky calls. You know, I hope it's a real good, like, tight football game. I'm thinking somewhere around, like, a, you know, one of those weird, like, you know, 23, 21s, you know. Yeah, I think it's going to yeah. be close, dude. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the defense for the 49ers has an all-pro in every position room. You got Talanoa Hufunga in the DB's room. You got Fred Warner with the linebackers. You got Bosa. With the uh, with the D lineman, and then that offense is just star studded with players like Debo, IU, Kittle, McCaffrey, um, and then the beauty of Kyle Shanahan's scheme is that your quarterback, like Brock Purdy, doesn't have to play amazing. He just has to play good. He does all he has to do is not turn the ball over. He doesn't have to go out. He's not asking Purdy to go out and make spectacular plays like Mahomes does every week. He's just asking him to make the simple play, throw the check down if it's open, find the open receiver, and don't turn the ball over. And I think, I mean, he's done it well so far in his games. He's thrown, I think, two picks in the seven game, six or seven games he's played. So obviously he, he fits the scheme really well. Um, and I just, I just don't see the Eagles coming out of this one, especially since the Eagles, they are a run-first team, given they can, they can throw the ball well. They are a run-first team. And that is San Francisco's strength on defense. Uh, their weakness in the playoffs and in the last few weeks of the season has been letting these number one receivers go off against them. You had CeeDee Lamb nodding up over 100 yards last week. You had DK Metcalf a couple weeks ago getting over 100 yards. So that's really been their weak. Uh, their weakness has been in the passing game. And if the, if the Eagles can exploit that well, then they would have a good shot at winning this. But I just think 
the um I mean the defense for the Niners is too good and the pressure will get to Hertz. Yeah, it's gonna be just too much. I don't think either team will overrun the other in this game, but I think the Eagles are gonna win. I you know, they're minus two and a half. It's a tough call. I, I'd bite. I I'd bite on the points, I'd take them to win by three or more. Yeah, what do you think of that? That's an interesting line, you know, like road team, you know, rookie quarterback, you know, only only two and a half point dogs, and maybe Vegas might be telling us something. Scriptwriters, listen, the they want to have an equal amount of bets on either side, so they're always going to set it in a way that tries to get that going. But as we've seen, you know, as happened before, sometimes the the public will shift a line one way and they'll send it the other because they have a really strong premonition as to what's going on. So we'll track that throughout this week. We'll talk about uh, how that ties in. One last thing, I just need a yes or no answer from both of you before we get out of here. Jets hired Nathaniel Hackett as their offensive coordinator today. That is, in my opinion, them grabbing a megaphone, getting on the the closest elevated surface they can find, and saying, we want Aaron Rodgers as our quarterback next season. Do the Jets land Aaron Rodgers, yes or no, Brendan? Yes. John? No. I'm going to go yes. That is our final prediction of the day, and that will do it for us today on NFL Friday. I want to thank my co-hosts, Brendan Shorey and John O'Friel. I want to thank our producer behind the board, Will Talent, for making all this happen. NFL Friday is a production of WFUV Sports. Sports director of WFUV is Bobby Chafferty. Mm-hmm.